You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer. Something he's done in your life. Let's present hearts of thankfulness to God this morning. Let's not leave his presence without thanking him. Let's not leave his presence without thanking him. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you. We say thank you. His presence is here this morning. Aren't you thankful for God in His presence? Amen. Yeah, but that's testimony, Emily. Come, come, come. <laughs> She's going to do it alone. Come on. We're taking testimonies every week. And, you know, we're doing a campaign called 500 Souls. We're trying to lead, not trying, we are going to lead 500 people to Jesus. You know, I, you, so the baptism, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit in a minute. But when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you're not so much concerned about building things as you are, your heart gets filled with the need and the desire for souls. And I told my leadership this morning, if you come into the house of God, you're not concerned about souls. You're not concerned about God being glorified. You're not concerned about the anointing. You have the wrong heart. But when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you go out there and you're ready to share the gospel, ready to preach the gospel, bringing people to Jesus, deliverance, power. And so every week we take testimonies. Every week we take testimonies about what God is doing, about how people are being reached. And we have one. Uh, last night we were at my aunt's 70th birthday party, and by the way, she has been healed of breast cancer. I don't know how many years it's been, but the Lord has delivered her, and she is a woman of prayer. So she said, before we leave tonight, I want you guys to pray for my stepdaughter. And we've known her for many years, and she carries this heaviness about her. And I know she's trying to do really good things. And uh, just a year ago, she had left her husband, who had been abusing her and trying to physically hurt her for years and years and years. So she finally left. And so we've helped her along. But last night she said, I need prayer. I just, I need so much wisdom. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. So I stopped her and I said, do you, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? And can you, and, can, and she's saved. And can you, can you speak in tongues? And she said, no. And I said, do you want it? And she goes, yes. And I said, that is where your power is. I said, when you don't know what to pray, I said, that is what the gift of speaking in tongues is. And it is a gift that anybody can have. And that is where your power is. And so we explained it to her for a good hour. And she's like, I want it. I want it. You want to add on? <laughs> so um, what Chris was saying is the power of the Holy Spirit is is where we get our power from. I mean, it's what you know charges us to be able to defeat the enemy. And without it, I mean, we're like basically, you know, relying on our own strength. And so we prayed with her and um, we prayed 
we all prayed in our prayer language and, um, you know, we just encouraged her to start speaking out whatever. And she asked, you know, beforehand. And so she started praying in tongues and started shaking and the power of God was so powerful. And here we're at a birthday party, you know, and so we're in our own little room. But um, the whole point of this is, is that even if it's not about just salvation, there are people that are wandering around that really need the power of the Holy Spirit, the Christians, I should say, that, you know, this is something that we also should be encouraging, um, you know, people to pray for and ask for because that's where their power comes from. And I know that her life will never be the same. And I was really just impressed and encouraged that Emily just said, you know, flat out, that was the first thing out of her mouth, do you pray in the Holy Spirit? I was like, Wow, that was bold. But, you know, we have to we have to get that bold and not care what people think, not care where we are. We had a birthday. It doesn't matter because this is a thing that's going to change people's lives for the kingdom. And we have to bring God's kingdom to earth. And this is how we do it. Amen. So. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's shout for Jesus. Let's give Jesus a clap. Let's give you. Okay, okay. They got it. They got it. Come on, shout for Jesus. Come on, clap, come on, clap, 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 shout, shout, shout. Yes, yes, yes. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Well done, well done. That makes me proud. You know, they say, well, you know, we're at a birthday party and people feel awkward. You know what I say when people feel awkward? Tough. Tough. You have to feel awkward. You're going to feel more awkward standing before God one day. Amen. Oh, but I don't want to talk about that. Family thing just makes things difficult. Listen, we're trying to get people filled and delivered. You have to get over it. Amen. Hug somebody before you're seated. Tell them pastor's pumped this morning. Come on, say pastor is pumped. Are you ready for the word of God this morning? Oh, I'm ready. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. Oh, we're going to get excited in the house of the Lord. Thank you, worship team. Well done this morning. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. If you have your Bible, let's go to the Scriptures. Let's go to the Scriptures this morning. Let's go to the Scriptures this morning. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Oh, are you going to talk to me this morning? Come on, are you going to talk to me this morning? I will run over top of you. I will go over, I will run you down. Sopare sopra, they would say in Italian. Come on. Luke chapter 4, in verse number 14. Oh, thank you, Jesus. How many thankful for the power of the Holy Spirit? Thank you, Jesus. Luke 4, 14. Let's read. Let's go to the scriptures and see what it has to say. It says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And they went out of fame of him throughout all the region about, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Look at your neighbor and say, The Spirit of God is upon you. Okay, now say it like you're alive. Say, the Spirit of God is upon you. Say, I don't have a neighbor. Why don't you sit closer to it? Okay. Because He has anointed me. Someone say, the anointing. 
He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering a sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Let's go to Isaiah 10, 27. We're a word church. We believe in the scriptures and going to the Bible. Isaiah 10, 27. Thank you, Jesus. Isaiah 10 and 27. This is what it says. And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken from off thy shoulder and his yoke from thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of going to church. Because of hanging out with people after church. What does it say here? The yoke shall be destroyed because of... Hello, hello, hello. Earth delighted today. The yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Acts 10.38, I'll read this morning. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. How God anointed... How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing good in healing all that were oppressed of the devil, because God was with them. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 21, this word says, Now he which has established you and hath anointed us is God. Now one more just so you know. It says in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 20, But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and you know all things. Turn to a neighbor and say, the anointing of God. I want to talk to you this morning about flowing in God's anointing. Let me ask you a quick question this morning. If the Holy Spirit were removed from your life, if the Spirit of God was taken from this church, how much of what we do would be able to carry on? Now, I'll ask this one more time. If the Spirit of God were taken from the church, and taken from your life, how much of what you do would you be able to continue in? If you say, oh, pastor, I'd be able to continue in everything, then it's possible that you don't have the anointing upon you. If God removed His presence from me, I'd want it to be said that I couldn't do anything because everything I do, I want to be God's power working through me to do it. If you've ever experienced the anointing of God come upon your life, you'll know that you are different when God's anointing is on you. If you say, I've done things on my own strength and I've done things in God's strength, you'll know there's a difference when you do things in God's strength. You'll know that when you do things in your own strength, is vain. The Bible says, they that build the house labor in vain unless you build it with the help of the Lord. We're not building this church in our own strength. We're not building our ministries in our own strength. We're not building our Christian lives in our own strength. We're building it by the power of God. Come on, somebody. We're building our lives of prayer by the power of God. We're building a worship team by the power of God. We're out there ministering to people, getting them filled at birthday parties by the Holy Spirit, not in our own strength, in their own strength. They'd be intimidated and fearful. I know I would be intimidated. I wouldn't want to get away from the birthday cake. But I tell you this, when you do it in the power of the Holy Spirit, you get excited because something is on your life that is changing you. It's called the anointing of God. You have two options. You can live anointed or you can live unanointed. You know, anointed person know. I, I'm just going to just throw these notes on. Just go. An anointed person knows when something is not anointed. 
How many ever gone to a bookstore, you pick up a book and you put it down and say, this book's not anointed? How many go to a church service and you say, the singing is nice, but it's entertainment. The preaching is nice and it's true, but it's not anointed. You got to have the anointing on your life. And you say, Pastor, what's the anointing? Someone asked me, say, Pastor, what's the anointing? The anointing, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Come on, let's run this morning. The anointing is the power of the Holy Spirit. Very simply, it's not all these deep things. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the person of the Spirit and His power. If it's the power of the Holy Spirit, that means that it is the presence of the Holy Spirit. You know that you say, well, the anointing... No, no, no. The anointing is very simply the Holy Spirit with His power and His presence coming upon your life. You have pay a great price to carry the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. A church has to pay a great price to carry the power of the Holy Spirit. God doesn't look for people that just want to be average. God's looking for people in this day and age that He's saying, do they want to pay the price to have my spirit upon them? Are you here, church? Do they want to have to pay the price to have my anointing upon them? Amen. Okay, the word anointing. You say, why anointing? The word anointing comes from the word charisma. The word charisma simply means to anoint with oil. It means to apply oil onto something. And this is used different ways in the Old Testament. Number one, anointing with oil was talking about the application of oil upon the tent of meeting and upon holy things. In the Old Testament, when something was consecrated to God to be holy, they would take oil and they would put it on that. When I get my car, when I get a new vehicle, when it's my possession, something significant, I put oil on it and pray over it. You know, I got in a car accident a couple weeks ago. It was very bad. But you want to know something? Nothing happened to me. The car got $12,000 worth of damage, which I ain't paying. Glory to God. But nothing happened to me. Do you know why? Because the anointing of God protects it. Because I anointed that car. The officer said to me, this is a miracle. How nothing happened to you? When your car is bumped by a semi and knocked into oncoming traffic. And nothing happens to you. Come on, give Jesus a praise offering. Come on, look at it. Because it's anointed. You should anoint your house. You should anoint your homes. Oh, yeah, but it's just chance. What? Listen, I believe in the power of God. The, the police themselves say it. Number two, the application was upon priests. When a priest would stand in a holy place, they had to be anointed. When a priest said, I'm going to go minister for God. You know, someone told me one time, they said, how do you get into ministry? Do you go to Bible school? Do I say, you have to get anointed. You know, many people go to Bible school, they're not anointed. Many people learn, they're not anointed. When you are going to be a priest in the Old Testament, the very first thing they do was they would put oil upon you. It says that in Leviticus chapter 8. Now look at this. In fact, the anointing and the smearing of oil was something that was extremely serious and sacred. Ministry is a sacred thing. Having church is a sacred thing. When God sets you apart for something into His office, this is a very sacred thing. It's so sacred, it says in Leviticus chapter 10 and verse 7, when after a priest had been anointed by God, the scripture tells them, do not leave the entrance of the tabernacle or you will die because you've been anointed with the Lord's anointing. 
When God puts, I'm going to talk to you in a second, just a minute about what happens when you get anointed. But when God places His anointing upon you, He expects you to take it very seriously. And if He knows you're not going to take the anointing seriously, you're not going to get anointed. Because when you get anointed and you disrespect the anointing, bad things happen in your life. People say, well, God, use me. God says, the way I can use you is I have to anoint you. But don't ask me to use you and anoint you if you're not ready to be used. Because anointing and having the anointing requires, or having the power of the Holy Spirit in your life requires that you're going to consecrate yourself to the Lord. Are you here with me this morning, church? So, number three, the anointing or the smearing of oil was used upon the application of kings. So I say this, it's used upon the application of kings, 1 Samuel 10.1. So you're seeing here that God does not just anoint or put His Holy Spirit upon common things. The moment that God anoints you, He separates you from the average. I'll say it again. The moment that God anoints you, He separates you from the average. I don't want to be the average church. So I say, God anoint the church. And an average church, you can have a big building and be an average church. You can have a lots of people and be an average church and not an anointed church. But the moment God puts His anointing upon the church, it doesn't become average. You get more done with a small church than a big church. You can get more done in five minutes being anointed than you could in 50 years being unanointed. Hello, somebody. You want to be anointed. Someone say, God anoint me. Hallelujah. Number four. The anointing is used to refer to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You read 1 Samuel 10, verse 6 through 11 when you go home. You'll see that this is when Saul was anointed, or excuse me, uh, Saul was anointed by Samuel. The scripture says that when this happened to Saul, when Samuel put the anointing upon him, the scripture tells you that number one, Saul's heart was changed. Number two, he received power to stand in the office that God had selected him to stand in. And number three, he prophesied. But you'll notice something. It was after the anointing that Saul had received that he received the crown to be king. This is a sermon all of itself. I'm going to just go right through it. But do you know after he received the crown to be king, you know the story. Samuel went secretly to David and anointed David as king. And even though David didn't have the crown, David had the anointing. Because I will tell you this, the crown and the anointing are different. The anointing is what God respects. We're going to see in just a second. God may put a gift upon your life, but that gift is not going to be effective until God anoints the gift. So though God gave you a crown and a position, if you disrespect the anointing, God will remove the anointing from the position and keep you in the position. And that simply means that man put you there, but God has fired you. You say, Pastor, why so many churches? But there's no power in the church anymore. There's no presence in the church. Do you know why? Because they disrespect God's anointing and God says you are fired. I'll continue to let people be blessed through your gift and through your influence, but my presence will not be there any longer with the church. Can I get an amen? I get concerned because my boss is the Lord. I don't want God ever to strip His anointing from my life because the anointing is the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, someone say amen this morning. Say amen. All right. Finally, you'll see that the anointing was describing the anointing of prophets. 
Elijah was anointed by God. We know the Bible says that when Elijah met the prophets of Baal, he got bold. He went up to those prophets of Baal. He started talking to them and street talking and telling them that their God must be sleeping. And then he said, let me show you something, boys. And he went and took five buckets of water. He put them upon his fire. He struck a match, threw down there, and the fire went up. What was attributed to Elijah's success? Why could Elijah be so powerful and be so bold at the same time? I can tell you this, this was the same Elijah that sat under a juniper tree, sad that a crazy woman was chasing him. The reason is simply because Elijah at that moment when he faced the prophets of Baal, he had the anointing upon his life. When the anointing of God comes upon you, it causes you to do unnatural things. Can someone say amen this morning? The anointing of God comes upon you and you're a singer. The power of God will touch your life and cause you to sing in a way that when the anointing of God lifts you, say, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. I remember the first time I opened a blind eye and prayed for a lady. I was blind. I was in Freeport, Texas. The lady come up, little old lady, sweet as pie. She comes walking up. I say, who here has a blind eye? This one woman come up. I said, oh. Pastor, lay hands on me. I laid hands on her once. Nothing happened. I laid hands on her twice. Nothing happened. But the third time, the anointing of God came on me. You know, you're doing it in your own strength. You're going to back down maybe before you do it the first time. But the third time, whew, God's power fell on my life. And I spoke to that woman in a way I never thought I could speak to anybody. And I stand back from her. I say, how many hands, fingers am I holding up? And that woman hit the ground on her knees and started weeping and said her eye had been opened. Why? Is that your strength? I can't open it. You, I couldn't do it if you told me to do it. But when the anointing comes on you, you know that you know that you know. Can someone say amen? So when the anointing is at work, now listen, God has placed gifts inside every single person. The Bible says that the gifts and callings of God in your life, Romans eleven twenty nine, can never be withdrawn. Some of you God has called to be a nurse. Some of you God has called to be a chiropractor. Some of you God has called to be a business person. Some of you God has called to be scientists. Whatever you're here. Or to stand in the office of ministry. To write books or do whatever God calls you to do. You've been assigned to do that. To, to play worship. And God has put a gift upon your life that is going to work whether you like it or not. Because God has called you into that gifting. Every day you are operating hopefully in the gift that God called you to operate. God called me to speak. I can get up here and talk and talk and talk. Y'all know that. I'm a talker. I can talk. But I'll tell you this. That's because it's my gifting. Some of you say, no it's not. <laughs> it's my gifting to talk. I don't even have to prepare to get up here and talk. I can figure something out that quick. But you want to know something. Without God's anointing, that is entertainment and showmanship. Hello, somebody. Without the anointing of God, that's entertainment and showmanship. Because I'll tell you this, that the anointing, when it comes upon you, becomes God's special presence with you. When the anointing comes over you, your gift begins to function within ease you never thought possible. And when that happens, you're not only functioning in your gift, you begin to release a presence about you. I'll give you an example. Maybe you're somebody that God called you to be a nurse, 
Every day you walk into the nurse's hospital. You're walking and giving lines to people and putting in IVs and stretching lines and doing this stuff. But one day you walk into work and the anointing comes on you. Now you're able to function with those people having the presence of God in your life. Are you here, church? Maybe you start talking to people in your job and the hospital bed. Those people start hearing you in a different way. You start bringing the atmosphere of the kingdom and the presence with you. What has happened? Your gift to be a nurse has now become anointed because when something becomes anointed, it releases the presence of God. I say it releases the presence of God. That's why on the altar and people are singing, it's one thing to know how to sing. It's another thing to carry God's presence when you sing. Hello, hello, hello. It's one thing to pray because you know how to pray. It's another thing when you start praying, you release God's presence. Because a person that has the anointing, that's what it's there for, to release the presence of God. If it's not anointed, there'll be no presence. If it's not anointed, there'll be no conviction. Hello, somebody. Okay, and here's the interesting thing. Many times the anointing of God will come upon you unexpectedly. How many can say that you were there one day and suddenly the Holy Spirit came upon your life unexpectedly? And do you know that when that happens, God has just sovereignly dropped the anointing into your life. And He has done it because He is testing you to see how you respond to that anointing. You may be out with people at a restaurant and suddenly the anointing come on your life. You say, what do I do? Whatever he tells you to do. If you're at a restaurant, halfway through your T-bone, or ladies, your salad. I know you all too feminine to eat T-bone. Some of you ladies like, no, I'm not. And he says, pray. Do you go into the bathroom stall and start praying? Or go out into the car in your cold, turn the heat on and start praying. And let the Holy Spirit know that you honor His presence. Because I'll tell you that the person that honors the presence of God, they're going to get more of that presence in their life. If you're in service and the Holy Spirit is on a certain song in worship, stay on the song. If you're in prayer and you're praying about something and that something you're praying about suddenly becomes anointed in your mouth, stay on it. Stay on it. But it comes suddenly. I'll never forget, I was in a certain country preaching one time. I think I've heard this story before. And I woke up 3 o'clock in the morning in my room. And the presence of God was there in a way to this day I've never experienced it in my life. It was a, f oh Jesus. If this is what heaven is going to be like, I want to go there right now. But I'll stay here because I have to pass this church. Amen. I want to go there right now. If any of you were there, you would have felt it. And the Lord just sat and I got up and said, Arabash. And the Lord said, stop it. Stop, stop. What are you doing? Sit here. Just, just hang out with me. Just stop trying to pray. Stop. Just, just be quiet. You know, sometimes the presence of God comes and it's so gentle. And all of a sudden we try to do something because we feel we have to do it. Do how he tells you. And the Lord said, just sit there. And I sat there in my bed, my plush, nice bed. 
and I had my iPad. I was waiting for God to speak to me some more. And he just sat there. I said, okay, I have a conference, five services, five days. What you going to give me to speak, Lord? He gave me one sentence. One sentence. I said, you know, <laughs> let, me, God, let me talk to you for a second here. I got five services to preach. I can't get up there and say this sentence and sit down. And say, well, that's all I got for you. I guess I'll go home now. Conference starts. It was at a college in downtown the city. And all of a sudden, I get up. They say, we have brother so-and-so. And I'm going to tell you something. I've faced this my whole life. I look younger than I am. And I'd get to these places, and people would think I was a kid. They didn't see a wedding ring. They saw a young-looking face. And they say, what does this kid have to say? And I got up there. And I wasn't my normal self where I'd jump in and shout. I just got up there and stood in one spot. And I said, well, praise God. And You could hear a pin drop. Power of God started falling in that service. People started getting filled with the Holy Ghost, and I'm sitting there, and the person that came with me in the trip was like, what in the world has gotten into him? And I said, and I just want you to know, and I talked like this the whole time, and the Spirit of God wrecked the place. The pastor of the church, we went to McDonald's afterwards. And I was eating, they had Big Macs. And I was eating the Big Macs. It tastes the same over there, by the way. And I was sitting there, and the pastor said, Were you in prayer for hours? I said, I got my secrets, and I'll keep them to my, no, I didn't say that. The next service. I was in my hotel. I didn't prepare. I just, I had been pray I'm prayerful all the time, but I didn't do anything extra special. I was in the shower. And I was thinking, I don't even know what to preach tonight. I didn't preach everything that preached that service. Got into the service, and about five minutes before I got up into the stage, it's like something shot into me. And I could see, I could, it's like I could just see into that realm. I started moving in the Holy Spirit. The power of God became so strong. People were coming up and just falling out before I even preached anything. I was saying things, I had to go back and listen to the CD to re-listen to what I had to say. The pastor said, tell me what you've been doing. I said, I don't know what I've been doing. I wish I knew myself. Third service, same thing. Fourth service, same thing. Then what started happening, see this is the power of the Holy Ghost in your life. It's contagious. Fifth service, same thing. And then after the conference was over, you want to hear the testimonies of what starts taking place in people's lives. Because I'll tell you this, when you consecrate to serve the anointing, the anointing will produce tremendous results. But you have to pay a price for it. Well, I know that I have been, I asked God, Lord Jesus, I, it's okay if I just preach in my heart this morning about this. Lord Jesus, please tell me what I did. Because I want this anointing so bad.
And I had to seek God to give me the answer for a while. But one day I was praying, months after it happened, and he took me back and he said to me, do you remember all the months that you were spending praying in the Holy Ghost? And praying in tongues. When no one's watching. Just, I wrote a book about it. I said, how could I forget? He told me, you thought all of the harvest from that had been reaped. But there was a supply that I had saved for this conference. I almost fell on the ground. I said, what other supplies we got laid up, Lord? <laughs> your prayers and uh, gee, your consecration today is going to yield to you your harvest tomorrow. The things you are doing to hide and consecrate yourself now are going to produce the anointing in your life tomorrow. Are you hearing me today, church? To have the anointing in your life requires a consecration to the Lord. A dedication to Him. Are we here, church? That's why. To have an anointed church, we have to honor that and go after it. To every one of you be anointed. To every one of you have God's power in your life. And I can tell you, that when God's anointing comes over you, you do not have to struggle at anything. You do not have to try because you start functioning in that thing with tremendous ease. A woman at the service come and tells me after, after she got filled with the Holy Ghost, just laid hands on her, the power of the Spirit fell on this woman. She comes back and she says to me, after you prayed for me, I went to another church at another service and was watching another man and something didn't sit right in my spirit about that preacher. And she said, and suddenly the spirit of seeing and knowing came over me and I saw a red mark on his head. I said, are you just saying it? She says, no, I saw a red mark on his head. It was like someone put a machine and I saw that thing. I saw it. I saw it. See, this is the power of the Spirit. In America, we're so westernized. We don't believe in this. That Well, you know, science. And we can you go to meet other countries. We'll find out. She said that after I walked out of the service, my friend stayed. And after that, I found out, we all found out, this man was exposed that he was working the people for money. And she saw it by the Spirit. And do you know how she received the anointing? She got it through association. This is why it's so important that you pick the people that you hang out with on a personal level. Because, uh, this is powerful, meaningful things in your life has been transmitted by the power of association. Meaningful things in your life come by the power of your environment. That's why this is important. The Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, Stir up the gift of God which is in you by the laying on of my hands. How did the gift of God come into that person? That's the anointing. How did the anointing come into somebody? It's through the laying on of hands many times. It's through when 
the hands are laid on you. And that's why you are carrying the anointing of the people that you have followed. I'll say it one more time. You are carrying the anointing of the people you have followed. And this is how Satan has attempted to destroy the anointing in America. Because in America, every young person now believes they don't need to follow anybody. And do you know what they also believe? I'm not going to follow anybody, but I'm going to follow everybody. And following everybody is following nobody. Well, I'm just going to go to this church and that church. You are following nobody. Who has God told you to put yourself around so that you can get their anointing? You should have somebody's anointing in you. When I think back to my life, who is, put in, who is the Pashita? Who has put something in me? Where did I get it from? When people say you have something in you, where did you get it from? I think about the men of God that have, from the time I got saved, from my youth pastor to my spiritual father, and then my mentors after that, I think about who has deposited something in me by the Spirit. And today we believe that church is just going to the nearest building or the nearest congregation that's near to us, or going to the place that has the most people, or going to the place that's hot. And you know what God thinks about that? Nothing. God is saying, go where I tell you to go. And be a part of what I tell you to be a part. And so many people today go where their mom goes, go where their dad goes, or go where it's convenient for them. And what God is saying, go to the place where I tell you to go so you can get the anointing I tell you to get. You understand? Understand this. You will carry that anointing. And then you honor it. You honor that anointing. Hello, somebody. I want the anointing in my life. Sometimes you see something, something that's 100, 200, 500 miles away, and you say, I want to be a part of that. And God say, go get connected. Go visit. Go sit in that. Go sit under that. Go be a part of that. That's the price you pay to have the anointing. And I'll tell you this, after being under the anointing, I'll never want to be without it. How many understand what I'm talking about this morning? How many can think back in your life to an individual or a person who started you in your journey and deposited something in you? Can you think of that person? How many can think of somebody that thereafter came along and put something in you? Can I see a show of amen? And you know, when God wants you to receive something, He puts you near another person to receive it. And the thing about the anointing is, we need it so bad in America to have God's presence on everything that we say and God's presence on everything that we do. Because no anointing equals no power equals no presence. And the way that you establish the anointing of God in your life is number one, a relationship with Jesus. Relationship is the place where the power of the Spirit falls in your life. How many people go to church but no relationship with God? And I'll say this, you cannot have a relationship with anybody unless you will obey the person who's in charge of that relationship. 
Can someone say amen to that? You cannot have a relationship with God unless you obey the person in whom you're in a relationship with. You say, well, I have a relationship with God, but you don't obey God. You do things that you know you shouldn't do, and God tells you don't do those things. Anyone that has, here's the thing, here's the thing. You can have faith in God, but carry no presence of God. You can be a believer in God, but not carry His presence in your life. You can sing about God and believe the words that you are singing about, but have no presence. You can pray to God and believe the words you are praying, but not carry His power. You can talk about God and go to movies about God, but then not respond to the presence of God or respect the presence of God when the presence of God comes. Can someone say amen? And you need the presence in your life because the presence of God is the vehicle that brings the power of God. Amen? Because the power of God follows the presence. The Bible says in Luke 15, Luke 15, verse 15 and 16, this is what, excuse me, Luke 5, 15 and 16, this is what it says. But despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. I say it again. But despite Jesus' instructions, the power of his power, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds that came here and preached and be healed of their diseases. But Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. Jesus understood that after he got anointed with the Spirit, the way that he was going to maintain his power and effectiveness is to get around the Holy Spirit. You have to be somebody who is intent about going where the Holy Spirit's at. Amen, somebody. Say, I need God's Spirit. I, need, I don't have to, have to go 40 miles. I don't have to go 80 miles. I don't have to go, if I have to go 100 miles to experience the presence of God, I'll do it. I will go because I love God's presence and I love His anointing. If that's what I have to do, if I have to, we're so used to convenience. Oh, it's inconvenient. I don't want it. Listen, it's inconvenient to have the anointing in your life. Amen, somebody. Number two, to have the anointing of God in your life, you have to live a life of repentance before God. You say, but Jesus already forgave me of all my sins. Yes, He did forgive you of all your sins. But a life of repentance means that you constantly are willing to deal with sin in your life the moment it pops up. Can I get say amen here this morning? The moment you do something wrong should be the moment you ask God to forgive you. How many have done something wrong in your life? Raise your hand. You say, oh, I did something wrong. That moment... You say, Lord, I am sorry, and I refuse to do that thing again. God, you know, understand you're going to fail in your life. He knows you aren't always going to hit the mark, and missing the mark is called sin. But the moment you sin, the moment you do something wrong, is the moment you say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. When you do that in your life, you're now following the place that you can be anointed. Number three, the anointing comes through obedience. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and 19, do not quench the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. You know, let me say this about the church. You come into the church ready to worship God. How are we here this morning, church? You come in the church ready to worship God. 
You know how you quench the spirit? When you're so quick to bypass honoring Jesus just to hear the preacher tell you something that meets your needs. Understand what I'm talking about? Come with a heart that says, God, I'm here to honor you. Yeah, I know my life stinks. I know it's not going well for me. I know that, Lord Jesus, I know, I, I know, I know, but I'm coming, I'm coming to worship you anyway. I'm coming to lift my hands to you. There are people that go to church because they need to be in God's presence, and God's presence is quenched corporately when people don't come to worship God. God gets sad. You ever think about this before? God gets sad. You think that God doesn't get sad? Of course He does. He got sad when man sinned. He got sad. He got sad when He said you disobey because He knows the blessing beyond that disobedience. I know when you are hooked up to God and the church or the congregation doesn't worship when God wants them to worship or doesn't respond the way God tells them to respond, God gets sad. You have to think about the sick people that are sitting in pews and the people that need deliverance that are sitting in pews and what God desires to do in a service but people come with their own agendas. Do you think that makes God sad when he doesn't see his power? He doesn't see demonstration following the gospel. Of course it makes him sad. But when you have the heart of God and you have a relationship with him, you come into the house of God and you say, you know what? This is how God wants to move today. I'm going to put my needs aside. And you know something? Usually God meets those needs. Are you, are you guys here with me today? Y'all just say, oh, yeah, okay, Pastor, yeah, okay. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, I got it, okay, okay. When do we eat? When do we eat? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay, Pastor, good sermon today. <laughs> no, 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 listen. I'm trying to get you something to change your life. Oh, Pastor, you understand? My life is so bad. Oh, yeah, I just understand why God doesn't even meet me. I never experienced the presence of God in my life. Your life in the presence is every day. Wake up in the morning. Jesus, I praise you. Jesus, I worship you. You know, if you're, you know, last night I was going to bed. Getting ready to go to bed. And I felt like singing to God. I'm not a singer. Tanisha is, but I'm not. Understand? And I went to pray. And I said, well, Jesus, I just give you praise. And the Lord said, sing to me. I said, but I'm not a singer. So I said, sing to me. I said, oh. So you know what I did? I started singing to God in Spanish, actually. I didn't hear enough of these Spanish. Some say, why do you play Spanish songs in church? I'm after the anointing. If you don't understand it, I'll tell you. Come ask me what it's saying. I'll tell you what it says. I want something that is anointed. Praise God. I'm not saying there's not English songs. But I, I don't care if it's Spanish. I'll play it. If it's Italian. I, I have some anointed gypsy music. But y'all ain't even ready for that yet. Amen. <laughs> I say he's really lost his marbles. His bolts, he's lost them. I'm after the anointing. You know, the anointing of God is peculiar. Different. Jesus one day is laying hands on people, they're getting healed. The next day he's speaking his word. The next day he's telling a storm to quiet. He does all sorts of things and people are getting healed. And then one day he decides to spit in some dirt and put it on a man's eye. Do you know what most people would say? Well, I don't like that. Why did he do it that way? Why, I don't understand why he did it that way. Do you know why he did it that way? Because that's what the Holy Spirit told him to do. 
And today in the church, a preacher comes along. He may not be what you're used to seeing. He may not look how you're used to seeing it, but the power starts moving. And you know what people will do? Well, he talked too loud. He yelled. I didn't like that. He's quiet. He's too quiet. I could hardly hear him. And you know what happens? You miss God's anointing. My responsibility as a pastor is I understand. I am not here to entertain you. I'm here so you get the anointing. I'll bring guest speakers that you may not like, but if they're anointed, receive from them. Because God has a variety in the kingdom. There's not everyone supposed to be the cookie cutter. When you are around a large ministry, big ministries that get big, and this will be something we have to be careful of as we grow. Is you start seeing something that you've seen and you think this is the way it should be done. And then when it's not done that way, do you know what happens? Well, I just don't think that's God. What, are you crazy? It's a big world out there, Jack. Are you with me today, church? So Jesus puts the mud on the man's eye and the man sees. And people say, oh, I don't like that. I don't like that. The anointing is peculiar. It comes in different ways. You just have to be ready to know that something is anointed. How do you know something is anointed? You're in the presence of God. I remember when I started, had a young guy come and started preaching. I sensed the anointing on him the moment he started talking. And if something is anointed, I'm attracted to it. Praise God. If something has the Holy Spirit on it, I want it. But you're not going to know if you never spend time with the Holy Spirit. So if you're ready to know, let's take this down. How you know something is anointed. Are we here today, church? Are we here? Are we here? Number one. Number one. If it's anointed, it will bless your life and bring attention to Jesus. If it's anointed, it will bless your life and bring attention to Jesus. Someone say attention to Jesus. You know, sometimes you have something that sounds so good, but it's putting attention on the people and it's not bringing attention to the Lord. You know, you see this in churches where you have dancing. People start dancing and it starts becoming a show unto the person. I remember one time I was in a church service. I'll never forget it. I got six minutes. I was in a church service. I'll never forget it. The guy was up there dancing like this, not even joking. He was sidestepping, moving like this, putting his hands up in the air, going like this, turning around and doing this. I think to myself, this ain't dancing for Jesus. This dancing for not Jesus. Dancing like he's in a disco club. It didn't bring attention to Jesus. Number two, it brings joy in your life. Number three, it brings peace. Number four, it's not ugly. It's not ugly. You know, I remember there was one, I was preaching in San Francisco, California. A while back. And this, see, you follow someone that's anointed. You follow them too closely, you start taking on their bad things. You understand? You follow somebody, you should still follow the person with discernment. So this person was following someone who is anointed and ahead of them spiritually in years. And they didn't just take on their boldness. They took on the person's arrogance. And when they took on the person's arrogance, they used it while they were ministering and were embarrassing people with it. And while the person that got anointed, he could get away with it, this person was being ugly about it. Because the anointing of God is never ugly. Can I get an amen, somebody? Is always something that will bless your life. I'm going to say this. You have to be careful now. Now you have people that come along every year around this time. Around this time, they say, the Lord told them, this team going to win the Super Bowl. The Lord promised this is going to happen. The Lord, you have to be very careful with all those things.
to know whether they're anointed of God or not. Amen, somebody. Because if you don't have discernment in your life, you will be fooled. Praise God. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Let's close our eyes and lift our hands. Hallelujah. Let's lift our hands. Let's pray in the spirit. We have just five minutes. Five minutes. Let's lift our hands to Jesus. Let's worship him. The anointing of God is something that is very precious. Very precious. It's very precious. It requires your life to be consecrated to God. You'll pay a very special price to be anointed. But when his anointing falls upon you, you'll be thankful that you went with his spirit. I want you to ask God for a fresh anointing this morning. Put your hands to heaven. In your own way, I want you to reach out to God and say, Lord Jesus, give me fresh anointing. Commit to God this morning. Commit to God this morning. Commit to Him. Commit to Him that you're going to start refreshing your relationship. You know, the thing about oil is, if you leave it somewhere and don't refill it, it dries up. You have to keep refilling and replenishing and restocking your oil. You have to keep restocking it. Every day you say, God, fresh oil. Every day, God, fresh oil. Every day, every day, every day. God, give me fresh oil. God, give me fresh oil. God, give me fresh oil. Ask God, visit me. Speak to me. Talk to me. Consider it the most important thing in your life. I want you to ask God now. Fill you beyond than what you've ever been filled with. There are new levels, there are new depths in the anointing. There are new strengths that God will visit you in. Ask God, say, Jesus, Jesus, fill me like I've never been filled before. May your presence be stronger in my life. May I experience your presence like I never experienced your presence ever. Let me experience your presence like I never experienced it. You have as much of God as you want. Let's lift our hands. Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that your anointing, I pray that your power, I pray that your spirit will flow fresh on every person that's in this church. May you visit them today. May your spirit be upon them. God, I pray that they experience. Now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. Or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly. So make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to The Light of Today with Chris Palmer.